Hey everyone, welcome to the 100th episode of Movie Films with Bill and Steve! I'm your host, Steve! And I'm your host, Bill! Movies talk! So let's talk those movies. Let's talk those movies. For over 100 episodes. Over 100 episodes. I think our current number of files is 114. Because we got some quickies in there and, and some other uh, little bits and pieces... Goddamn right. 100 episodes strong. Official episodes, again, not including all of our quickies, all of our asides, um, our Nightmare on Elm Street commentary. We've done a lot of content. A lot of content. For free, for you, until 2020 when it turns to 599 episode. 599 episodes, so get on that. Get on that, you have a couple more years. And that's it? And then, then, then we're done, because we're going to have so much money, we can retire. We can just retire off that sweet from, podcast money. From, from sweet podcast money. How you doing this week, Bill? I'm doing pretty okay. Uh, I'm just getting kind of s- working through stuff, just working, and because next week, bam, baby, going to California, going to Disneyland, going to California Adventure, going to Game Days, going okay. back to Disneyland, coming home, going yeah. to Disneyland again. Yeah. Woo. Fuck yeah! I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Disneyland, my favorite place in the world. I'm looking forward to it. I've been to Disney World. I didn't get to explore all of Disney World, but I was at the main park and other stuff. But, you know, I thought it was okay. Yeah, Disney from, World's okay. And from all I hear, like, I was hearing some specifics about some things. Because I, I uh, listened to Rocco Bodie's review of Disney World when mm-hmm. he went a, while, a couple months back. I finally got into listening to his review of it. And he's right. A lot of the stuff he said about, like, Pirates of the Caribbean feeling really short and kind of lame. I kind of felt the same way when I wrote it. And, um... All this other such Yeah, I, I really liked his uh, analysis of Disney World, because he brought up the stuff about World that I do really like, like the Hall of Presidents and some of the more unique stuff from here and there. Yeah, I um, enjoyed the and Hall of Presidents well. And their Tomorrowland is solid, because there's no Star Wars, whereas in Disneyland it's fucking Star Wars fucking everywhere. Now there's a Star Wars land. Well, when that's up and running, I can't wait, just so I get Tomorrowland back. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise I think uh, I think Land is all, all around a much stronger park with all around uh, better rides. And everything's much more original and feels much more genuine and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I really hope you enjoyed. I hope so, too. I've never been. Looking forward to it. Looking to get that, that Dole Whip. Dole get, Whip, motherfucker. Looking to get uh, get that churro. Took my loan out for it and everything. Uh, <laughs> um, if you uh, would like to go to a really nice bar, go to Sam's Tiki Bar, which is in the, in the smack dab middle of the Disneyland Hotel. Like, there's three towers of the Disneyland Hotel, and in the middle of the three towers is the pool and also that tiki bar. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite bar in Southern California. Okay. Well, we've we got a reservation at uh, one restaurant in California Adventure. I forget which one it was. Oh, yeah. You should. Uh, we should go over that stuff, like, we should. this week or bef- just before you leave. Yes. Well, we got one reservation down for one restaurant. and made sure to do at least that, because we want you know, to eat one nice place at least. So, got that taken care of. Now, it's just a matter of... You don't get through the week going. Then when I get back, I got to work for a couple days, and I go to Chicago for Shimmer, Shimmer. and all that stuff. Looking forward to that stuff. I got, it's got last good stuff going on. The, the end of the year is going to be great. I got, uh, because I get just a lump set of time for my work for, for pay time off and stuff, I just have a lot of it still left over, because I just never really go anywhere. So, because of how big, uh, holidays sit at the end of the year, I basically took some days off. I get like two weeks off of work now. Mm-hmm. That's gonna cool. be nice. So that'll be great. So that'll be a lot of, lot of movie nice. watching, a lot of a lot of relaxing. Relax. And such. 
Don't do it. <laughs> when you want to go to it. Yes. Don't come. <laughs> when you want to come. <laughs> I love that that song has no subtext. None at all. It's pretty. Man, pretty I wonder what this song's about. Don't jizz inside her pussy yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Frankie did indeed go to Hollywood. He was pretty right up with it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's all I'm doing. See how you're doing this monumental, historic episode. I'm okay. Okay, good. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, news. Uh, <laughs> I got a couple more decent reviews for Carousel. Um, I paid to get a uh, front and center feature on uh, Dread Central. So yeah, cool. you mentioned that last week. How'd that, how'd that go out? Um, It seems like 100 people uh, watched the clip. Um, I got two sales. Mm-hmm. So... Would not suggest. Zero out yeah. five. <laughs> Seems like anything anymore for paying for advertising just doesn't quite work out. No, I mean, I wanted to try, and I want to get the name Karis Hell out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I put the other chunk of the uh, marketing budget into, honestly, I submitted it to a, um, oh, what fucking horror fest is it? I don't fucking know, but it's in Cincinnati. Okay. It's a decent sized one, and they have one in like multiple cities, but the entry fee was only 25 bucks. So I said, why the fuck not? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and they get like a lot of big stars, and some, and that's like, it's the same show where they like officially announced Tucker and Dale versus Evil Part 2 and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's somewhat a le- legitimate traveling horror convention. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then I also paid $100 to submit it to Slam Dance because it's a somewhat bigger. Yeah. Um, film festival which is actually in los angeles however mm-hmm. slam dance is famous for being a we don't have we don't fucking treat anyone special yes and everyone has a fucking chance to get in and we like weird shit so fucking give it a shot guys so while i don't think carousel will make it because you know it's not quite as high quality as films in general in la uh, i've seen some trailers for other movies that definitely got screened as slam dance and carousel is pretty comparable so i guess it just depends on what judge we get yeah, exactly. I, I know quite a lot. I've Well, not like a lot, a lot, but I know enough about Slam Dance to know that you should have a pretty good shot at that. Um, how much was it? I mean, I, I'm, I don't know if you looked into those. I never knew. How much is it for to get like a, a, an ad or a page spread in uh, Fangoria or uh, Horror... Um, what's the other one? Horror Hound or any other... Uh, Fango would be like... Uh, well, Fango may not have any more uh, print copies anytime soon. Uh, I was talking to the marketing guy. Oh, really? Uh, uh, for Fango, and he outright said, uh, you should go with Scream Magazine, because they actually still release magazines, and Fango's last issue was August. Really, was it? I haven't been to the, the store in a while, so I didn't realize that. Yeah, like, I think they finally released one for the Halloween season, but, like, after that, that might be it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, they might do, like, a summer issue and, like, fall issue or something like that, but yeah, apparently that's going down. But, uh, to answer your question, it's like $1,000 for a full page. That's not so bad. I guess that's about right. Their, yeah. their readership is right. <laughs> Although... I mean, Fangoria, I mean, it's been talking about magazines. Fangoria has been a problem in recent years of just not paying their writers. Mm-hmm. And I guess, but yeah, I mean, there's Horror Hound, Scream. Yes, yeah, uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland still is still going. Scream, um, I was going to go with, but then I got turned off from it big time. Oh, really? Uh, do you want to know why? Yeah, I'd love to know why. Insider info, uh, they probably don't want you to know this, but, uh, you have to pay Scream money to review your movie, and that's fucking horseshit. Yeah. And it, like, that's what killed Film Threat. Film Threat yep. literally died because Film Threat was charging filmmakers to review their movies. Mm-hmm. And Scream is like, like they tried selling me on it. Like, you know, for $250, we review a movie, but we guarantee a positive review, so that way you can use it to promote the film. I'm just like, I feel dirty. Yeah, that's kind of, that's, <laughs> that's getting on fucking Ain't It Cool levels. Yeah. Like Harry, well, Harry Knowles. Like, I got some set visits. This movie's amazing. Yeah, so I don't want to pay someone money to suck my dick. Well, I mean... No. 
uh, <laughs> like uh, if it's happening in real life, maybe. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I better get a good review of my movie after this dick sucking. <laughs> after this dick sucking. Uh, so yeah, I got turned. I, I was gonna do some advertising with them, but like that just sheer concept kind of made me feel dirty and icky about it. So I just I went with uh, the Dread Central thing instead. That's fair. also because it's a bit cheaper. So. And I haven't picked up Famous Monsters in a long time. I don't know if they cover modern horror or they... Just, they, they do from time to time. Uh, they actually modern. Uh, they actually did a review of Captain Z that was mostly positive. That's good. That's yeah. nice. And then uh, Horror Hound, I think, is still going strong because they still do all their conventions in, like, Indianapolis? Sure. Chicago, <laughs> around here? I just hear a lot of people shit on their convention as being jerk uh, autographed jerk-off fest, so... Hey, if it gets people in the convention, sometimes it's worth it. Yeah, Horror Hound, that's the one I submitted to. Horror Hound in Cincinnati okay. is the uh, $25 one I submitted to. Oh, is it? Okay, cool, cool. So, hey, if, if we get in, uh, you should uh, come to Cincinnati. I will, I'll just hop right on that. When is, when is this festival? Do you have an idea? Uh, so people can like maybe check back in if they only listen to this episode and not listen to another episode. Oh, um, March 17th to 19th. Cool. Hey guys, keep keep an eye out. Maybe in that that period of time, you can check out Carousel. Just keep listening to this, ep- keep, this episode. Keep, yeah, <laughs> just this episode. Just, just put this episode on repeat. Maybe eventually it'll change. I'll sneak it in there and fool people. Uh, but no, keep it. Keep your ears tuned to this podcast. Listen to every single episode so you can get the update on if this Carousel movie is going to be at Warhound. Find out. Probably Boom. not. I'm gonna, I'm Keep gonna listening just because not. of that. That one little bit of tidbit of news that we would never post anywhere else. Anywhere except else. Except here on Movie Films of Bill and Steve. Nice. So you're doing fine besides, besides all the uh, the Dread Central stuff that you don't recommend doing? Yeah. It was, it's Everything's fine. Uh, I'm still selling a couple copies of Care's Hell here and there. So, you know, people are talking about it. It's getting out there. Whatever. It's fine. Good word of mouth so far. Now, like usual... Good word of mouth is not necessarily equal immediate sales. Right. So you should clearly just put it on YouTube for free. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. You're right. Fuck you, man. (laughs) I'm trying to give you a way to make instant money. You put it on YouTube, you instantly start, like, uh, memeing and trending. You're a hashtag. Everyone watches your thing. They see the commercial for Walmart in front of it, and you're making buku bucks. Buku bucks. Yeah. I mean, how do you think PewDiePie got to where he is? Um, it was, uh, actually, it was a uh, screw-up in the algorithm for, on YouTube, and it suddenly put him on the front page of everyone's uh, YouTube, um, like, front pages, and that's the only reason why he got views. I agree. And I will, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit. He seems like a nice guy. He does seem like a nice and guy. And he, he's handled his instant fame very well. Absolutely, yeah. He's he donates Sorry. money to charity. He seems like a cool guy. At no point has he been like, uh, "Hey, everyone, you should buy um, cigarettes." You should check out this sweet CS:GO like skin gambling yeah. website that I in no way am affiliated with. I have Oops. nothing to do with this. Nothing at all. I like that those two guys are located in Britain, and that is a punishable offense. So they will be going to jail. Good. Last I heard. <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of jail, uh... Norma Polanski is still not in jail. (laughs) Well, he's in the jail that is called Poland. That's fair. He can never come back to the beautiful United States where all the virile 13-year-old girls are at. Right! Do you know how much more raping he could have been doing if he simply went to jail? (laughs) 
Oh man, hundred episodes later, he's still still not been extradited. When that ha- if that happens, that's when the podcast ends. That's is that that's like the, the ex- ultimate thing? Yes, that's the entire thing this podcast has been pushing for. <laughs> that's our ultimate goal. That's our ultimate goal. In fact, let's start a bit. Pe- let's start a petition. Let's start a petition about Roman Polanski getting extradited. And once that picks up steam, people will notice that it's sponsored by movie films with Bill and Steve, and then our listener numbers will be through the roof. I don't think we should <laughs> use a, like a change.org petition as a means of advertising. Uh, well, it's not a means of advertising. No, it's just movie films with Bill and Steve's petition to extradite Roman Polanski so that he serves his time for his horrible crimes. Listen to us at iTunes. Uh, <laughs> uh, for more details Adam about this petition. <laughs> we should get an Adam and Eve sponsorship at the Times at the bottom of the petition post. Use the code word movie films to get 50% off a single item, free shipping in the United States, and six free DVDs. <laughs> I listen to so many fucking podcasts sponsored by Adam and Eve. I know they're fucking, uh, they're like specials all the time. But it's funny, I know the specials more than the fucking co-hosts of those podcasts do. It just makes me laugh all the time. But anyways, movie news, um... Deadpool director Tim Miller is out of the sequel over some creative differences with Ryan Reynolds. I think it's uh, interesting uh, because, I mean, honestly, I don't care that much because while Deadpool was a good film and it was well-directed, pretty much everything that was in the leaked script was in the movie. So I think most of the success of the film was Ryan Reynolds himself and the really tight, fantastic script as opposed to the director. So I don't think we're losing too much with this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, according to the rap, uh, the pair parted ways because Miller wanted the second film to be much more stylized, and Reynolds wanted to keep the raunchy fourth wall breaking comedy approach from the first film. Um, and the uh, conflict apparently came to a head with the rumored casting of Kyle Chandler as Cable. Uh, Chandler was Miller's choice, but Reynolds did want him for the part, and the studio ended up siding with Ryan Reynolds, uh, mainly because Reynolds' negotiated contract includes casting approval. Oh, I remember who Kyle Chandler is now by Googling him. Why the fuck would anybody want him to be Cable? Right? Again, like, we talked about this before the podcast. You got fucking uh, Stephen Lang, Dolph Lundgren, fucking Ron Perlman, like, three amazing great options and choices for Cable who all want the role, and fucking Miller wants Kyle Chandler? Like, while Liam Neeson is not as good of a choice as the other three, he's at least better than Kyle Chandler. Ah, uh, it's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. I just, I just think it's easy. Just get Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, I, I think he, he's, you know, he's, he's I, I don't know. I, I think he's perfect. I would love Dolph Lundgren. Especially, I mean, trust me, I'm a huge fan of Stephen Lang and Ron Perlman. But I think Lundgren would be perfect as as Cable. Oh, he's I got agree. the height. He's got the build. He's still he can fucking play the gorgeous. Man. Yeah, he gorgeous is. man. I, I'd kiss him. I mean, who wouldn't? comes up to you talking about particle physics you're like oh i'm so so wet right now (laughs) from the pre-cum obviously (laughs) clearly (laughs) Uh, his his intimidating stature caused me to piss myself (laughs) (laughs) just pissing everywhere everywhere oh my god um yeah i mean i i mean direction for the film stylized versus raunchy i can see both sides of that but casting nah I um, the more I think about it, sometimes I'm still very curious about how well a second film will do. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the first film's success was also kind of dictated by what kind of the, the climate at the time, right? 
I think at the time people just kind of wanted something different. Once they got that, it's scratched. I'm very curious to see how much they return, like how much of a return investment, or no, sorry, return, um, just a return, how much of a return they're hoping to get on the second Deadpool film. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't think Deadpool 2 is going to make as much of a profit as Deadpool 1 did. I, I mean, it could. It, I mean, I, I, I like, I, it's going to make money. I just don't think it's going to make the same percentage of fucking. True. I think it was just, yeah, it was one of those films that came out of nowhere, blew people away, and I don't know if they could necessarily capture uh, lightning in a bottle twice. Yeah, exactly. It was very uh, much yeah. a lightning in a bottle film. It just depends on what they want to do with it. I, I'll go check it out. I enjoyed the first one quite a lot compared to a lot of other recent uh, films. Absolutely. It's dev- it was Marvel in my properties. top five for the year for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, another bit of news. Uh, speaking of Mar- Marvel, Fox, Marvel, X-Men related films, we got the trailer for Logan. Again, like usual, like a day after we recorded last week's episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty clear that that little kid is X-23. Yeah, that's definitely what they're going for. She's like you. A lot like you. Wink, 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 wink. Like, I'm shocked that her claws didn't come out in that trailer. Uh, she should have started... Uh, was, was X-23 a stripper or a prostitute? I can't remember. I don't fucking remember. Uh, it was something like that. I they don't give little, a little... shit about the X-Men. Like, <laughs> they are my least interesting group of people in all comics. I don't know, let me fucking look her up. I mean, she was a clone of Wolverine. Uh, On the fly, internet, Googling, we're doing it. That's what I'm doing. While he's doing this, I'll talk about the trailer. Um, yeah, you talk about looks, the trailer, I'll look this up. This uh, looks like another X-Men film I can just not see. I haven't seen that. I didn't see uh, Days of Future Past. I didn't see Apocalypse. I didn't see Wolverine. I think that's all of them. That's all the ones I haven't seen yet. I didn't care. Apparently, no one else cared about X Men Apocalypse either, because that movie didn't do too well and such. But no, we got Old Man Xavier. We got some for some reason Logan with a full beard. It's kind of weird. Uh, a lot of scar stuff. We got cool robot people, which is the which I don't which like the people I was trying to remember the names of before. Uh, I can't remember the damn name of them. I just remember it was like a guy with tank treads and there's a robot guy. Prostitute. Prostitute. Okay, so X-23 was a prostitute. I don't think they're going to go that direction with this little girl. Well, to be fair, she was a prostitute later in her life, you know. There's a lot of uh, information here about her little girl age where she was not a prostitute. Well, this film is rated R, Steve, so... <laughs> she was brought in by the pimp named Zebra Daddy. That sounds like an X-Men character. That really does. Jesus. That sounds just like a, a stereotypical X-Men character. So, are you? did this trailer make you interested at all in Logan? I mean, I guess it looks kind of neat. I'm just curious, like, what the point of the film is. Um, like, uh, this is yet another future story in X-Men where the mutants are fucked. Like, (laughs) like, I feel like we already got this in Days of Future Past, except, um, Wolverine was one of, like, three main characters instead of the only main character, and there's less robots in this trailer. Um, like, uh, why are the mutants fucked again? This does not seem that far into the future. Um, they're again painting the future as, like, this is definitely the future, and yet they're still trying to push, like, what's gonna happen with all these X-Men, like, 80s movies or something? Whatever decade they're deciding to be in now. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolverine has a full beard, which feels wrong. Um, Professor X is in it, I guess, which is kind of cool, because Patrick Stewart's a good actor, but why? Why? why so is he, he could be like, I'm an old man, and this truck is, like, spinning out and crashing. Oh, Whoa! this fucking truck. Fuck this truck. Um... A shot in the trailer has Wolverine with a shovel, so I guess they bury Professor X in those woods. <laughs> no, they're they're digging up, uh, digging they're up, digging uh, up Sabretooth. Sabretooth. 
Miss Driver's back. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. Uh, and then I guess the international trailer has like a point one point five second shot of Wolverine putting his claws through a man's head. Yeah. Oh, so it's me. It's me. Radar. Oh. Like okay, neat. I guess. Cool. I don't know. I, I probably won't see it. Big I mean, shocker. Yeah, I mean, I, it looks into, but I mean, the trailers cut well. I'll definitely give them that. I mean, it pikes, it piques my interest a bit, but you know, I'm not fucking. I'm not really head over heels for any X Men movie, Bill. So, except Deadpool. Yeah, except Deadpool, which I don't really consider an X Men movie. Well, it's in the X Men universe. It is X Men universe. That is for sure. Um, more Colossus, please. They do keep yes, more Colossus. They keep on pushing uh, that this is his last film as Wolverine. But right. I hope against everything that he at least makes a cameo in Deadpool two as Wolverine because I really want Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman on screen together as their characters just once. Maybe we'll get a joke where Deadpool says, "You're a lot taller in person." Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Uh, last bit of news here, which is big news, which is funny because it dropped when Twitter was offline after a big international hacking situation was going down. Yes. Uh, Donald Glover has been cast as Lando Calrissian in the untitled Han Solo movie that's coming out in two years. Okay. Uh, that's neat. I would have preferred. I'll give it a shot. I would have preferred an unknown. Well, I mean, the actor that cast for Han isn't necessarily an unknown, and yeah, I know. I think, I don't know how to feel about this. I feel like Donald Glover, is casting him feels very fan service on the studio's part. Like, oh, everyone wants Donald Glover. Let's get this guy. Yeah. Instead of trying to find someone that might be better for that, the, the role. But at the same time, I'm sure they've, maybe they've, maybe they've gone through a lot of people. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And I like Donald Glover. I think he's a cool, he's a funny actor, obviously, in Community. I loved him in Derek Comedy. I don't really give a shit about his child, childish, that childish Gambino stuff. No. And I haven't watched Atlanta or whatever the fuck it's called. No, but his stand-up is good. Yeah, he seems like a fun guy. So I, I'd like to, get, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it the benefit of a doubt. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to immediately uh, say it's going to be garbage. I mean, I don't. I, I want to say I'm slightly pessimistic about his casting. I'm not sure if I think he's cor- correct in the role of Land- Lando Calrissian. But mm-hmm. there's some cool stuff they do in the film. They can do stuff like how uh, Han won the Land, won the uh, Millennium Falcon from Lando. May include the Kessel Run. Maybe include some other bounty hunters or something. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Get some, like... Get young Dengar. <laughs> Bring back young Greedo. Young Greedo. Actually, I would, I would have zero problem with that. Zero problem with that. We need Greedo in three Star Wars movies to complete the Greedo trilogy. And more, uh, more Jabba. Yes. So Jabba can be in, at that point, four Star Wars films. Perfect. Because in Phantom Menace, he's in A New Hope. Now he is, even though it looks terrible. And then he's in Return of the Jedi. So yeah. we can get more Jabba Nobada. Jabba Nobada. As long as we get Bib Fortuna and Salacious Crumb. Mm-hmm. Let's just put everything in there. And Why Han not? Solo can be best friends with Boba Fett growing up. <laughs> they both laid, They both had the same hots and the same girl. Oh! And Boba wins because he's way more cunning. Yep. No, uh, the chick is going to think Boba's way hotter and way cooler the entire movie, and then he's going to start talking with that accent, and she'll be like, oh, never mind. I thought you would have sounded cool. Takes off the helmet. Uh, excuse me, I don't date Latinos. <laughs> this is a broad assumption on my part of the actor who played Django. I can't remember his ethnicity, but this woman, I'm going to say, has becomes very racist. Yes, Absolutely. 
Right, and then, then Goddamn Mandy's, I hate these fucking Mandy's. And then it'll be the end of Robot Jocks, where Han and Lo- and Boba Fett look at each other, and then they think they have a shared commonal- commonality, and they're like, okay. And then they give a really sweet, like, thumbs up, fist bump, and then boom, credits. Yeah. Hell yeah. Speaking of hell yeahs. Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! <laughs> oh, God! It was me, Austin! <laughs> it was me. Oh, oh son of a bitch! I fooled you! I fooled you! I even fooled my family! (laughs) I had to do it, Stone Cold. I had to teach you a lesson. Because Mike Tyson canceled the contract. (laughs) Uh, But no, this is episode 100. We stressed for several weeks about what movie would do for it. And we thought about it. This episode will be dropping on Halloween. And both of our, one of our favorite films is a film very appropriate for the occasion. As every big uh, celebration for the show probably will end up being something Halloween related. Uh, we decided to go with 1987's The Monster Squad. Woo! Woo! Directed by Fred Decker. A young group of monster fanatics attempt to save their hometown from Count Dracula and his monsters. Goddamn right. Uh, written by Shane Black and Fred Decker. The two people coming back to give us the new Predator film. I mean, maybe. Maybe it'll be good. I hope it's good, because Fred Decker can't catch a fucking break. <laughs> uh, I hope Andre Gower's in the new Predator. Oh, that'd be sick. In fact, can we just make this plot of Monster Squad, except replace the monsters with Predators? And we'll, I, and the I, Wolfman I... could be like the Xenomorph. <laughs> Um, Frankenstein could be like a Wayland Yutani android because he becomes a good guy. <laughs> just make just get cast Tom Noonan. And he kills a great. predator with a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shane Black, Fred, you gotta call us up. We're giving you fucking gold here. Yeah, get hook us up. You know the nice guys did okay, but we, we can help you. Yes, help you out. <laughs> Uh, before uh, I want Fred Decker to do well because uh, Fred Decker's career uh, has died many times. <laughs> As we get into the spoiler alert, uh, not a lot of people have seen Monster Squad because it didn't do very well. No, well, they didn't see it in theaters. I do think that it has definitely, in the past couple of decades, become far more popular. Um, definitely a cult classic at minimum, but. Uh, I'd say, like, probably more popular than, say, Evil Dead 2 was in the early 2000s. Like, I do feel like more f- adults, more kids, more families in general know about Monster Squad these days. Uh, I'm gonna disagree. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna disagree a little bit, in my, my opinion, anyways. Uh, for the longest time, this thing was out of print for years, mm-hmm. and the only thing was, like, v- shitty VHS copies until about 2007, when uh, Lionsgate put the DVD out for it. So, I, I think... I, I still really feel like Monster Squad is really deep in the cult status. I don't think it's like, deep, but I can. St- I think it is. I think horror fans and people in general like it. And I, but all the time, I'm I'm still always introducing this film to people. It's not like a film where people heard of it. It's a lot of times like, what's Monster Squad? Like they've just never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I mean, I, I would I would agree with you prior to the re-release, but I do feel like ever since 2007, I've heard more people mention the film than I would have expected to be in the same boat that you're describing. Hmm. I guess that's fair. I guess it's Plus, it's, it's been it's, on Netflix for the past couple of years straight, mm-hmm. um, which uh, honestly helps a lot. Like, I mean, it's been like front and top featured on Netflix, you know, 
all that yeah. Netflix money that Lionsgate is making. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Lionsgate owns the distribution anymore. I think oh, they don't. Company okay. has it now. Yeah, because um, I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, it has it has new release. I think Arrowhead. There's a couple of newer newer companies. I think it, that that have the rights to it anymore. And Lionsgate doesn't have it anymore. But Lionsgate at the time. Uh, I know we're talking about a lot of stuff about how the film is now, not necessarily about the film itself, but deal with it. Uh, Lions at the time, though, did put a lot of money into it. They took, the, obviously, the DVD, the Blu-ray. They, they gave did it a good release. Uh, I think, I think they did, I think they did both commentary tracks that were with it. So there's one that has Fred Decker. Actually, I have the DVD right in front of me. Let me see here. Uh, we got, uh, a commentary with, uh, Fred Decker, then Andre Goyer, uh, Ryan Lambert, and Ashley Bank. And then there's, there's another one with Fred Decker and the director of photography, uh, Bradford May. Yeah, the, the 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 featurette they did for the film is like an hour and a half. It was really good. I recommend that. I mean, I, I, if you can find the Blu-ray or the DVD, both of them have the same special features. Obviously, you can pick up the Blu-ray if you can. It's good print. I mean, there's the, the Lionsgate at the time was kind of taking over what Anchor Bay used to be doing, yes. being like the the primo like horror releasing company. But since then, Shout Factory's really, really, really taken that helm. Mm-hmm. And the levels they go, but we talk about it all the time. Uh, so, but Monster Squad, okay. Aside its cult status and debating with all that, Steve, what do you think of the Monster Squad? Well, first, I have to say that the lead actor Andre Gower is a really cool guy. Oh yes, here's a quick plug. Uh, check out Steve's interview with Andre Gower from uh, Horror Realm from this last year. Yeah, last year. Yes. Um, very, uh, very open, very uh, laid back, very willing to talk, and v- very funny, very talented. Like, uh, definitely a, a good guy, a good actor, and I hope that he can get back into, like, acting into a lot, a lot more stuff. Um, well, it seems like he's he stayed busy. He's been busy. Oh, he's overall. been busy with, like, TV and, uh, like, yeah. smaller projects and stuff like that, for sure. Which is a lot better than a lot of, yeah, even... even definitely way better than characters. A. Michael Baldwin. Uh, definitely far better than a Michael Baldwin. Uh, definitely well more, much more well behaved, raised better. Um, he donates to charities. He doesn't hate black people. I'm not necessarily saying Michael Baldwin hates black people. I'm just saying for sure Andre Gower does not hate black people. Yeah, Steve asked him off off the record, and he's just dropping that right now. Uh, but I will say he's done a lot better than a lot of not even necessarily even kid actors, actors in general for that. And a lot of uh, horror films and stuff in the eighties didn't really have much careers outside of their films. So I mean, even for him, a being a child actor, being about uh, twelve at the time, even still consistently working up until the present day is still pretty pretty commendable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because not not a lot of people can uh, can say they've done that, which is cool. Yeah. And he met his lady friend at a Monster Squad screening, and that's how you fucking do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> like, hey, you like that movie? Yeah, that's me. Wanna fuck? <laughs> Stephen King rules. <laughs> um. Anyway, getting to the film itself, I fucking love Monster Squad. It's fucking great. It's fucking. It's one of the best Halloween movies of all time. Absolutely agree. And fucking, fact, you, you, I, I feel like when you're growing up, you're a Goonies kid or you're a Monster Squad kid, Goonies can suck my fucking balls. Monster Squad is where it's always been at for me. Uh, I, I'm going to stay away from controversial uh, opinions about the Goonies. I like the Goonies, but I prefer the Monster Squad. And I always did growing up. Uh, this was a film, for I know for a lot of people, they either, like you said, grew up with either or film uh monster Squad was for me i had a uh vhs copy that i took very good care of and watched quite a lot growing up and then obviously when the dvd came out i was really pissed because that 
year at Comic-Con, uh, they were doing a screening and a Q&A thing at a theater in the gas lamp, and I, I can't remember the reason. I think that was like the night of an Aquabats concert I already bought tickets for, and I couldn't make it to it and all stuff. But it's like, so it, was, it sucks I missed that. But I mean, that, that when that... Have you ever gotten to see it on, a, on the big screen? No, I have not. Oh, that's lame. I, I got to see it at the Hollywood the same weekend I interviewed Andre Gower, and it was really that's cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know Chicago up there, they did... Uh, I think two years ago they did a screening at a drive-in. Uh, Fred Decker was there. Oh, I mean, they cool. always it, it comes up enough that it, I, eventually I will get to see in a theater with people, mm-hmm. and hopefully it goes better than when I saw uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a theater with people. Because mm-hmm. that was not the experience I really thought it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, trust me, I hear nothing but horror stories from like our people we know out in San Diego and Southern California who go to screenings. This is people. Making their own little riff tracks, just yelling shit, acting like this is a fucking sing-along or some bullshit. The only... I mean, people in Chicago are... Res- oh, go ahead, sorry. No, you finish your sentence. Oh, I was gonna say, the people in Chicago are respectful. The only thing is, like, when I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I felt like everyone was laughing at parts they shouldn't be laughing at. <laughs> well, I mean, that's with a lot of, like, especially, like, halt horror scenes. You're gonna get people that just fucking uh, laugh so much at everything. I might be one of those people. I, I can't... I can't talk shit. I mean, there's some parts I think it's fine. I don't know. Like, obviously, the Return of the Living Dead was on after it. Yeah, you can laugh at that. That's supposed to be funny. But there were just parts, there's part, like, parts in Texas Chainsaw that are supposed to be terrifying and horrific, and they are, in my opinion. But people are, like, sitting there, like, laughing like it's a goof. I'm like, this isn't supposed to, you're not supposed to laugh at this right now. No, it's it's just so enjoyable that you laugh. I mean, it's a PG film. <laughs> I agree. I agree with Toby Hooper, but obviously no one else does. Um, uh, the only screening I ever saw, like, by San Diego Comic-Con ever was I actually went to... I went to a shadow cast of Reap of the Genetic Opera. Oh, I remember you tell... I remember, I remember this. Oh, man. And, like, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I, in retrospect, like, at the time I did like Repo, and now, like, currently in modern day in retrospect, I don't think it's a good movie at all, but I do still like the music. I still think that the music is fine and that the cast does well in the movie. Just the story and the concept of it is fucking retarded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the directing's not that great, and the editing's kind of bad. But the shots look good, and I like the colors. Like, there's definitely good things in the film. It's just yeah. overall not very good. I've, I love all this because I remember at the time you were very adamant about defending it when I told you I didn't quite care for it. Hey, you know what? And that's fair. Like, I mean, I, and I stand by. At the time, I did like the movie, but you know, in retrospect, no, 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 in no, retrospect, like um, sitting on it, uh, mm-hmm. not very good. And it's funny because it uh, I said that on Facebook, and I forgot that I'm actually friends on Facebook with like the composer and the guy who did all the music for Repo, mm. and. Um, that entire thing where, like, you know, this isn't good, this isn't good, this isn't good. Overall, it's not a good movie, but I like the music, and that's it. Yeah. And then I saw that he responded, and I kind of, like, clenched my butthole. Not in the sense of, like, oh, no, I ruined everything, because I don't give a fuck. But it was like, oh, man, it's kind of awkward, you know, because he worked so hard on this. And, you know, he's friends with, like, uh, the director and, like, Terrence, the concept guy who first wrote it and stuff like that. And all he said was, I agree. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, anyway, but I saw a shadow cast, and it's just like Jesus fucking Christ. For, I mean, the theater was half full, which was so sad and hilarious. Um, <laughs> but Anthony Stewart Head was there, which was fucking awesome. Yeah, that sounds cool. He's a cool guy. Because um, he doesn't do any appearances because he hates uh, Darren Lynn Bowsman with a fucking passion. The director. Oh, oh my. Um, but he showed up for that because he was at Comic Con for Merlin, so he was like, uh, I guess I'll walk down the street. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was just, like, people fucking whipping out jokes, trying to make it, like, a Rocky Shadow cast, and then just actors playing the movie in front of the screen. And I'm just like, I just, 
Like Garrett Hunter and I talked about this, and Garrett's completely on my side, where we just both are like, I just kind of, I just want to watch the movie, guys. <laughs> like, what? Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially for Repo, I can kind of see that being a an issue because Repo's a pretty visual film. It's a very visual film, absolutely. It's not really like, meant even, to like, be taken like that. Like even saying that I don't like the movie these days, still visually, uh, I like the movie visually. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have something distracting away from like one of the good things is just like, why are you doing this? Can you please sit down? Can you just sit down? Please, you're like sit in the sw- film. Sweet cos- down in front. Sweet cosplays, guys, but fuck. <laughs> oh, popcorn Adam. Sit down. <laughs> sit down. Try to watch the movie. Just go to the like the front of the theater. And be like, hi. I like to complain about these uh, patrons that are just dancing in front of the screen. Yeah, can you can you please kick them out or something? Because I, I paid like fifteen bucks to get in here, and I really would like to watch this movie. <laughs> I could have stayed home and I could have bought the DVD for as much as it cost me to get in here. <laughs> Oh, I'm go wow. leave a negative review. So I super digress. <laughs> uh, Monster Squad's a good movie. <laughs> Monster Squad's such a good movie that it's easy to get on a tangent about talking about this little, the film, the theater experience about Monster Squad. What what can you say about Monster Squad? This is really hard. This is one of those episodes where it's really hard to kind of make sure we stay on track with stuff. Here, I'll, go, uh, th- I'll was, go through a list of things right here. So no, no, you hold on. I got, I'm on a talking young man. No, because then we're going to go another fucking tangent, motherfucker. No, I got to say this. Okay, say it. Going back to episode one, <laughs> which is poetic because this is episode 100, you might recall Monster Squad being in my top 10 all time favorite films. And just to say my piece here about Monster Squad, this is a fantastic film that is well written and directed. By Fred Decker, who I like Fred Decker quite a lot. Robocop 3 aside, I don't blame him for some of that film's problems. There's a lot of things going on there with that film. Oh, yeah. And it just, it, growing up, this is, when we talk about Goonies or Monster Squad, I would run into people who would do the whole, like, never seen Monster Squad, or you'd see on, like, online or just, like, through magazine stuff, always calling Monster Squad just a Goonies ripoff. Mm-hmm. Which it's not. If anything, it's a little Rascals ripoff, because that is, directly what Fred Decker kind of brought his inspiration for the film is kind of his love for the universal monsters and the the little rascals and kind of combining it into this thing and all this such. And it's just growing up. I was, I I can tell why this film has its cold status is because you get these people who do that whole, uh, the Goonies is way better. And I'm like, Nope, (laughs) I disagree with that. Because the Goonies, I never, I doesn't feel real to me. This film feels real to me. Yes. The, game, the, the conversations and the way the kids interact is legit. Feel because I've oh, growing even to this day that feels like how me and people talk to each other. Obviously, the use of the word faggot and homo and all this stuff is kind of falling out of favor. It's still real. And people don't use it so much in the eighties, nineties, even up until like the. 2010s it was always used all the time and i'm sure that's how kids still talk to each other i'm sure they do (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised but i was listening to watching the featurette and fred derrick kind of talked about that and it was so funny to me because like he got flagged for it and even he was trying to say like no that's just how people talked Mm -hmm. that's how people talk it's how kids talk it's just how kids are kids curse kids talk about all weird shit the virgins and sex and monsters and all this stuff this is how kids are and it's you know it's weird that people will take the film to task for that Mm -hmm. 
But that's just the element of why I love this film so much. On top of, I guess we can jump in first discussing the monsters, maybe? Since they're they they're first in the title. It is the Monster Squad. squad. <laughs> so let's talk about the monsters first, Steve. Uh, I think visually, this is exactly what I think of when I think of these monsters. These are the... Which is great. Yeah, these are the perfect best go-to designs for these fucking monsters. This is a wolfman that looks like the, a werewolf, but he's fucking monstrous and he's kind he's big, but he's not the size of the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, which, to be fair, my second favorite wolfman design is actually from the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing because I do like the, like, super monstrous wolfman concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but I l- prefer this one, for sure. And I'm not talking CG yeah. versus practical. I'm talking strictly just design decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but fucking the creature from the Black Lagoon design in this. Holy shit. So fucking so, good. Yeah, the Gilman in this film is definitely probably one of the more like, most iconic things from the film. It's like creature designs that Stan Winston and his effects studio did. Absolutely. And all because uh, this the, um, this was film was put out by TriStar. And TriStar did try to license from Universal the appearances of the Universal monsters. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't. Obviously, they couldn't get the licensing, so it really came down to them to redesign these iconic characters to make them kind of feel similar. Because obviously, the Universal looks are pretty much the de facto default looks of these monster characters. Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, Wolfman, the creature in Black Lagoon. And I, I this film is a huge testament to the creativity and the like the hard work that Stan Winston's uh, studio did and reimagining these like you said the wolfman is awesome one definitely one of my favorite wolfman designs Mm -hmm. because it feels a lot more no offense lon cheney jr uh his doesn't really feel very uh lichen in its approach it doesn't feel super like very like that but this one does it still has a very beefy torso the face still feel has that very you know look to it uh same with the gilman gilman looks fantastic and even their uh reinterpretation of frankenstein's monster (laughs) It is pretty great. Like it's still it it. It's a it's an innocent monster, perfect. Yes, yes. And then obviously mummies and mummy don't do much. Of yeah, that. but it's still solid because it's very zombified mummy. Yes, like yes, it's clearly it a corpse. Like... It's not just a dude in bandages or something. Yes, yes. And the Dracula is the classic Dracula yes. style. The work they did on um, bring up his name here. Uh, uh Dunk Duncan Rigger yeah, who yeah. played uh, Count Dracula. It's fantastic. They definitely they definitely brought out a lot more of the aristocratic look to him. Plus, he was a tall actor, so with the cape and everything, made him look very lanky and used the makeup and later the uh, contacts and all of other stuff. It just brings out. I mean, this is my favorite Dracula. I agree. I think there is such a great mix of kind of the look, uh, like kind of look and styles of Bella Gozi, Christopher Lee. Kind of there's a lot of like just good elements drawn from. It's everywhere. a combination of both. Yes, and even the actor said uh, in the featurette how this, the, doing this role for him is kind of daunting because, again, it's a character that's been done so many times, but at the same time, it's like a superhero. It's been played so many different times that it's okay for you as an actor to have your own new interpretation of it because it's been done so many different ways by so many different people that it's not necessarily people are, are beholding your Dracula to be like fucking Franklin Jella, Christopher Lee, Bella Lugosi, um, uh, um, 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 I know, oh shit! I never mind. I'll just drop it there. There's there's some of your main people have played Dracula, but obviously there's uh, many others. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch. Fucking Leslie there. Nielsen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet. I want to meet whoever thinks that's the go-to Dracula. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll be honest. He's in my top because when he's serious in that film, he's actually a really intimidating Dracula. 
That's fair. Because he's, he's a serious actor. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of, like yeah. it's a completely legitimate interpretation of Dracula just in a Mel Brooks movie. So they exactly. so they ham it up a bit. But honestly, he's probably in my top five. Yes. And then uh, moving on to that, I, uh, I as I mentioned before in episode one, we talked about this stuff. Uh, Tom Noonan as Frankenstein's monster. Oh my god, so fucking perfect. Uh, pretty much the heart of the film in a lot of ways. Yes. Because uh, you're introduced to this character who's the character in this version is definitely interpreted as, interpreted as kind of an innocent. Like he's blank slate in a lot of ways. He's being told to kill the kids by Dracula, which we'll get kind of some of the plot points here later, but we're talking about the monsters now. And he just doesn't want to. He gets befriended by Phoebe, who is Sean, played by Andrew, Go- Andrew Gondry. And the Goers. beautiful callback to Frankenstein and the Flower of the original films. Yes. Yes. Instead of accidentally throwing a girl into a pond. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. It's sad that this, yeah, you get some good, good, good visual callbacks for sure. And his performance is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Noonan, which I tell time I love Tom Noonan as an actor. He's been in tons of great, great stuff. Mm-hmm. And fun facts. Again, I do my research. Uh, on set, uh, he was always in makeup. He didn't want to be seen around the kids not in makeup. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to act around the kids not as Frankenstein's monster. He wanted everything, everything he did on set when he was around the kids and interacting with the kids to always be in character. Mm-hmm. Which, fun fact, on the DVD, there is an actual, like, interview. There's, like, I guess they shot this interview segment. I don't know what they were going to air it on. But it's basically someone interviewing Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. And so he was just responding in character and stuff. It's pretty silly, but still, I, I think that's pretty great. And uh, Carl Thilbolt uh, uh, as the Wolfman. Oh, yes. Which, uh, fun fact, uh, the same actor also plays the Wolfman in Fright Night 2. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was very funny. Typecasted as the Wolfman, <laughs> clearly, just like uh, King Arthur from Once Upon a Time and King Arthur in Transformers Five. Dark <laughs> the last night, yeah. Uh, I I think he also played a werewolf in she-, she Wolf of London. Well, clearly, I need to hire this guy for the Wolfster standalone movie. Clearly, <laughs> I'm trying to see here if he's also in something. I know I'm I'm positive he also played a werewolf in something else, oddly enough, but. I thought that was that was funny, and then I thought you know, that's great. And then um, obviously Gilman's design, and then uh, the mummy doesn't really do anything. He's he's a mummy. Mummy was in my house. <laughs> uh, two, the simple fact is, two thousand dead guys just don't get up and walk away on themselves. Shuffle, shuffle, rim shot, but <laughs> uh, so we talked about the monsters. Do you want to talk about The Squad? I mean, The Squad is the second part of the title, and absolutely uh, the best and brightest part of this film. And we talked about it briefly, but we need to get back to it. They are real kids, and I like them all. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fantastic. They talk like kids. They act like kids. Um, at no point do I feel like they're superheroes. No. Um, Not at all. Like, I, at no point is anything that they're doing unbelievable. No, I feel everything, what they're doing, it always feels like a limit of their capabilities, even at a point where uh, Rudy, who is the badass uh, junior high kid, uh, played by Ryan Lambert, mm-hmm. or Lambert, I'm not sure how that, his particular last name is supposed to be pronounced. I'm going to go the Christopher Lambert route mm-hmm. and say Robert Lambert. Uh, Ryan Lambert, sorry. And even when he's like fighting off these vamp- vampires, or, 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 or whatever you call them. Vampiresses, I, I, you know, 
he's uh he's fucking having a hard time like just fucking shooting the chest he's like oh i got one coming up grab my grab my steak ah shit yeah i mean everything's within their abilities it's nothing uh nothing too also i love how they befriend that character of rudy uh rudy who kind of falls into being friends with them kind of a to kind of peep out of their uh monster club window to spy on patrick's sister absolutely but then V just, yeah, he becomes, like, legit friends with them. And he clearly, I don't, at the beginning of the film, it's not quite sure if they kind of hang with him, hang with them. I'm sorry, if he hangs with them, or he knows he wants to befriend them to be part of their club. But I, or, when we're first introduced to Horace, uh, a.k.a. Fat Kid, I, I love that whole interaction. That feels like a very, very on-point, like, bullying confrontation. Absolutely. And the kid that's bullying uh, Horace is funny because he's the like child actor that's in uh, Pee's Big Adventure mm-hmm. who gets his bike and stuff. He's also in tons of other stuff, but just funny always seeing recognizing a lot of kids in these films at the time are similar to character actors where it's like, ah, oh, I know that kid, or I like, or when you see Dick Miller and something, I know who that guy yeah. is, that type of stuff. But I just love the interactions and stuff. It's like fat kids blocking traffic. <laughs> fat kid, why are you so fat? <laughs> God, you fat kid. I got a glandular problem. Oh, he's got a glandular problem. <laughs> you know, it's at least an stupidity problem. So good. What'd you say, faggot? What'd, What'd you, you say? say? <laughs> Fucking faggot. You said you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this movie has uh, so many quotables, which we'll try to save ourselves from becoming Linerama with it. But, yeah, when Lud- Rudy shows up, it's like, you know, this film can kind of be criticized a bit for being a bit cheesy with them and its stereotypes. Like, you got the cool kid, you got the fat kid, but they all feel really organic and, care- and like have a lot of earnestness and uh, a lot of charisma, yeah. and I think it totally goes in its favor. And I don't, I don't see it as a negative as opposed to other films that try to check do a check mark off of, like, you know, the camp films or any other type of genre of summer, summer films, summer camp films, I should say, but where they feel like there's a check mark on the different like stereotypes and archetypes of characters they have to have. This one, this film kind of does it, but at the same time it doesn't. Like there's the fat kid, and the cool kid, but Patrick and Sean are kind of equals. Yeah. Like Patrick's not like the jokey kid. He's just, he's still on the same level as Sean yeah. and everything. So it doesn't really fall on that. It's not like they have like the stereotypical black kid or anything else like right. either. So, I mean, it doesn't really fall on those cards, but Rudy shows up, makes uh, the kid eat the candy bar he stepped on and, mm-hmm. It's just funny how everyone's so everyone's terrified of Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this like punk uh, junior it's high kid. He's got a leather jacket. Yeah, he rides a bike and smokes. Oh yeah, he smokes. That's how you know not to fuck with him. That's how you know this is an awesome fucking eighties movie. The, the fucking fifteen year old, sixteen year old kid is smoking. Yep. Hell yeah! I'm fuck around. I'm the goddamn club, aren't I? <laughs> uh, but uh, Sean Crenshaw. Uh, who is being uh, played by Andre Gower? He he does a really fantastic job in this film. Oh, for sure! Like considering he's, you know, I think he was twelve at the time. Yes, I think he was uh, the actual age of the character. He also originally auditioned for Rudy. He did. He did. He originally auditioned for Rudy, and he thought he had it until he got the phone call and saying you got cast. Great, just not as Rudy. Oh, <laughs> which is better because he's technically the star of the he film. He's got top billing and everything. Yeah, yeah. and. As we said before, when we were kind of plugging the interview you did with him, he's a, he's really good. Mm-hmm. He's a really good actor. And in, on top of that, uh, Sean's family, uh, his dad played by, um, how do I hear, uh, Stephen Mocked, and his mother played by Mary Ellen Trainer, 
that's all right. Look at him. Yeah, yeah, Maybe, yeah. He yeah. sadly was... passed away earlier this year or last year. Sorry. Um, are fantastic. Yes. Like the entire family dynamic between like Sean and Phoebe and such. All the parents are real in this, and that's another huge positive I have for the film is that they're real. And Decker's really mm-hmm. good at that. Again, like uh, like Sean's dad is a fucking cop, and uh, he's not home a lot because of that. And in other films, uh, you would see a very one sided aspect of that, mm-hmm. and in this, you don't get that. You see, uh, Sean being kind of disappointed that dad's not around, but you also see Sean be really excited and happy when his dad's around, and Sean understands that his dad's a fucking cop, so he's busy. And you see Sean's dad actually care about his son a lot, but duty calls, and you see uh, the relationship between his parents be very strained because of Sean's dad's job and not being around a lot, and it's just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And, like, by the end, when it's, like, that very stereotypical of, like, oh, dad, he's a, you gotta help me, and, like, at first he's just like, nah, fucking whatever, then as, like, time goes on, he's just like, oh, well, I actually really care about my son, so I should, like, listen to him at least somewhat. And then mm-hmm. he figures out the truth, and is right there helping his kid, and it's, it's fucking great. The parent-child relationships so. in this movie is absolutely top fucking notch. The only, I, the only, like, weak spot I might say is the mother, Emily. By comparison, yes. But... By comparison, but I think that's fine because I guess in like storyline, like Sean's dad is a cop, mm-hmm. so he has a gun. He has capable capabilities with that. So I think his his relation to the story it makes a little more sense. But the, even on Emily, the, the mother, uh, still gets some time. Like just a bit where she's talking to Phoebe with the candle. There's some good parenting moments. Do you get uh, what I like is uh, there's obviously some strain between the the, the the parents like obviously they're going to marriage counselor by the end of the film it looks like emily's gonna leave like leave him and take the kids or whatever and that type of stuff because she has bags packed before dracula shows up mm-hmm. and, and he turns becomes... into a bat well even before that like this as i mentioned before this is my favorite version of dracula because this version of dracula is probably one of the most badass fucking draculas ever yes he is kids fuck with me i show up and i blow up their fucking clubhouse <laughs> fuck your clubhouse Faggots. Right before, you know. <laughs> Steve, you're gonna get some trouble. <laughs> Don't worry, Frank Decker's got our back. He's got a bunch of pool. Yeah, Frank Decker's got so much pool. So <laughs> that sweet night of the creeps pool. <laughs> Woo! I, but you know the scene where there. It's funny, like we, they want to make sure, like to, to make uh, to kind of fully establish these characters. They they do have the scene where. Uh, uh, um, uh, Stephen and Emily are fighting and yelling at each other and stuff, and um, uh, no, sorry, not uh, Stephen. Stephen mocked. Sorry, the actor, uh, his his character, he plays his detective Dell Crenshaw. Uh, but like it shows them fighting, and it's funny because Sean's overhearing it and stuff, and it's very realistic for kids who have parents who fight. But yeah. it's funny because even between their fighting, you're getting exposition. Like Sean's getting information about what's going on. That's how he finds out about the Wolfman thing at the the police station. Mm-hmm. All this stuff, like. He's, he's picking, like, like kids. Kids hear things, and they can pick up on stuff. And I think that's good for that character and good for the story as a whole. Absolutely. Even things that are giving us more depth to these characters is also helping progress the story and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is when Sean realizes that Alucard is looking for the book. Alucard is Dracula, spelled backwards. Uh... Whoa! Whoa! What's a squad? Uh, I think it's like Miami Vice. <laughs> but... You know, Sean's great as being the leader of this team. Uh, Patrick is his friend. I, I love kind of like all the different times with little bits of Patrick. I like the beginning of the film where they're in the principal's office mm-hmm. talking about stuff. I like how he kind of comes off as a blabbermouth. It's like, you know, yeah, um, 
Mrs. Peter, no, Mrs. Mrs. Carlson. We call her Meow Mix because her head looks like a cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love moments like that where characters like blather on saying too much stuff to someone who should they shouldn't be telling all of this to. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, there's lots of great lines there. Phoebe is Sean's sister, played by uh, Ashley uh, Bank. Yes. Yeah, Ashley Bank, who's Phoebe is adorable. So cute. It's an adorable five-year-old. It's great. Uh, Sean, mom said you had to let me in, otherwise it's prescription. No, it's discrimination. Prescription is what you need if you think you're getting up here. <laughs> I forgot about that line. <laughs> so many good lines. Um, what was it? Uh, we're, we're not war in Germany, we're at war in Vietnam. What? It's in Rambo. <laughs> oh, can we talk about the German neighbor? How fucking beautiful uh, sc- his entire, like, story arc is? Oh, scary German guy's bitching. Oh, so fucking bitching. Like, first of all, like, they build up the he is scary so well. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, even, like, when I first saw the movie, even as a kid, I was just like, I bet he's not scary at all. Um, no. <laughs> Like, even as a kid, I was like, he seems just like an old man. And then, as soon as they have to go over his house, like, not only is he a nice guy, he's, like, uber-mech nice guy. <laughs> like, he's got, I got all these pies just ready to be eaten. My favorite, oh man, I quit all the time. Anytime I say it's like, uh, time is almost up. It's your last chance for pie. And <laughs> <laughs> he like, grabs like a big fucking slice and gives it to Horace. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no. It's and the like, last yeah, shot of that scene is so fucking beautiful. Of just like I, I know monsters, and you just see his his um, Holocaust tattoo, and yes. that's it. Like he doesn't talk about it; it doesn't come up again. No, it's a very tiny thing, and I, I, I like it. It's like it's a very real moment in this film. That's kind of like a uh, you know action comedy horror film. What was Dracula up to during World War Two? You know. Being, doing Dracula stuff. Doing Dracula stuff. Because I'm just saying, Very Hitler was really out. into the occult, so did Dracula... Did Dracula have to kill Hitler? Maybe we we needed to have a fucking uh, prequel film. Mm. Let's get on that Frank Dagger. Yeah, where Duncan Reger is playing uh, Count Dracula. I got Andre Gower ready to play Sean's grandfather. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think some things are better left untouched. Steve. Sure, but fuck that. I'm gonna get George Lucas in on this. Oh my god, <laughs> Red Tails too. We're gonna do everything in front of a green screen. Um, okay, sit in my cozy chair a mile away. It's like poetry, you know, it rhymes. Did you hope it will? Um, no, I love the scene because yeah, it's like I thought you guys thought I was a vampire. See, I have a reflection, and Patrick's like, oh, you really know a lot about monsters, and you get that slice of quiet scene, it's like, oh. I guess you're right. And yeah, the holo- the fucking Holocaust numbering tattoo on his arm, which is easy to miss if you're not paying yeah, attention. I mean, the, the screen does focus on it. It's not... It does. But it is easy to miss if you're not paying attention. Oh, I had a fr- I showed it to a friend. He didn't get it. He's like, what's that? I'm like, that's a, that's a Holocaust tattoo. Whoa! <laughs> oh, fuck! Oh, Jesus Christ! This shit got heavy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. It's but it's also kind of interesting. I like that. It's, it makes it feel really real and... uh you know, it shows you like, man, there are, you know, there's there are, even even beyond these fantasy monsters in this film, there are real there are real monsters in the world. Mm-hmm. This is a stark reminder of it. But yeah, scary German guy is awesome. I love he's such a fun character. And then he comes him, back. Him like I didn't expect to see him again after the diary scene. I mean, the mm-hmm. book uh, translation scene. And then he's like, he's driving the car like, let's go, fuckers. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, um, they go to town square today. <laughs> yeah, monsters hate religious stuff. Uh, but no, just. Yeah, even his uh, uh, helping with the finale, helping um, Patrick's sister read the read Van Helsing's diary, oh, so read the perfect, passage. Yeah. 
Oh my god, like, when she first gets it through, she's like, you did it, you did it, I don't know how, but you did it. <laughs> so cute. Yes, uh, Patrick's sister is hilarious. And that's, and that's um, a great build-up, too. Like, as soon as they were like, we need a virgin, I was just like, of course the little sister's gonna do it. And yes. it's, an, it's an expected twist, at least for me it was when I was younger, but I was still so happy that when it happened, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, one of the silly plot holes of the film, which is, it's, I don't really care, but you could easily pick it out, is that, aren't, aren't, aren't the boys virgins? Yes. I mean, I mean, maybe we maybe we glossed over the fact that it needs to be a female version. Yeah, I think I think it, that did come up. It has to be a, a girl because there was also a girl in the opening of the film. It was, but I don't, it was never expressly said. It was never expressly said. Yeah, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock the film. I just know some people brought that up before. But it's really funny. This is another thing I always thought was funny: how um, the use of the term virgin in, in, in kids slash family films, mm-hmm. like Hocus Pocus, does it. All these other different type of films do it, and it's always like, <laughs> you guys don't really explain what a virgin is, but do kids know what a virgin is? Yeah. I think growing up, I think I, I can't even like recall like what I thought at the time, but I think growing up as kids, you kind of get it, even if you don't get it. You're like, it's one of those things where you just nod your head to the terminology, even if you don't know what it means. Like, yeah, it's insinuated enough in multiple films when when I was younger, even when I didn't fully understand what sex was yet, I understood that a virgin meant not have sex. Yeah. But that was yeah. it. This is one of those <laughs> things that doesn't come up a lot. So it's always like mentioned the virgin Like, I'm, term, I'm just saying, like, when like, I was eight, I knew that blowjobs didn't count. So you could be sucking some dick and still be able to read from that book. Thank, thanks, Republicans in the '90s, making sure every every child in America knows what a fucking blowjob is. <laughs> Absolutely. Good old, good old impeachment time. Uh, Bill Clinton jokes. Woo! Uh, super relative. Well, actually, now they kind of are. Never mind. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Grandmother pussy, Bill. Oh Jesus. Bogus. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best hundredth episode. That we I, mean, I can't had. think of any. I, yeah, I know this is the best hundredth episode we've ever had. I mean, this is going to go down in history as the best one. Uh, other little things. Oh uh, yeah, we didn't talk about talking about Horace. Horace is a fun character. Yes. Uh, it doesn't quite get as much screen time or as important as like necessarily Sean or Patrick or stuff. But I still think he's a full, full, still a fun, well-rounded character. He's just the fat kid. He doesn't want to be a part of things. He's. I love. I love his complaining. I love how he doesn't want to do anything. Yes. He's like, oh man, even just the. Scary. I got three words for you guys. Scary German guy. Yeah. <laughs> or just uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like being dead, Sean. We should, we should do something else. Or I got written down here. My favorite quote at the end of the film is like, "Do we have to be a monster squad? Can't we be a uh, was it um, where is it here? Uh, can we be a math squad? Do math problems or a nature squad? We can go hiking." <laughs> I thought that was funny. Of course, he says probably the even if this film necessary wasn't super popular with people everyone knew this one line from the film and that was wolfman's got nards everyone knows that line that people have never even heard of monster squad no like have heard through pop culture the line wolfman's got nards it's incredible kick him in the nards wolfman's got nards which i love there's lots of little things um now we've kind of covered the squad and the kids and all that type of stuff. There's lots of little things in the script writing I really appreciate. How at the beginning of the film, they're doing what like horror fans and kids would do. Just talk bullshit. Like talk like theoreticals, talk about all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're just talking about like, yes, wear pants. Wear pants. Yeah, dude, this is the 40s. And they're talking all this different stuff like genitalia for Wolfman. And then later on, we get you know another reference to Wolfman genitalia. On top of when um, they're talking to Rudy and getting the monster test, they say, um, 
blow, uh, how can you kill Wolfman? Uh, and then it gave him suggestions on the other way to kill a Wolfman besides, I'm oh, sorry, where kill a werewolf besides Silver Bullet. And one, one of them says, uh, throw him out a window and blow him up. And that actually specifically happens. And that does actually happen, and we show that. That's, nope, that that's another, work. I was going to say that on my list of uh, pros. There's a big pros that everything gets a payoff in this film. Yeah, which we'll move into since I am kind of talking about that, yeah. Yeah, like, if something gets mentioned, likely there's a reason why it's getting mentioned. Like, nothing is just, like, nothing's just dropped or let go in this. Like, mm -hmm. a, a down to specific stuff. Throw them out a window and blow them up. And when that happens in the movie, like, I showed the movie to my wife for the first time in her life last year after I interviewed Andre Gower. Um, mm -hmm. And when that scene happened, she couldn't stop laughing because she remembered that line. Yeah, and it was so um uh, just fucking amazing when it happened, and it's great because it doesn't work. Nope. Which you know they're obviously going for the hyper supernatural Wolfman, where only something silver can kill him. Uh, but it's yes. fucking great. And uh, isn't it uh, how fucking badass is it when Rudy's simply fucking just making silver bullets? That was Rudy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I love all of his shop class moments. Yeah. Or it's you know, making, you know, here's my, here's my, my birdhouse. I'm gonna come back over here and make some spy, make some wind steaks. <laughs> I'm melting spoons to make silver bullets. So fucking good. I'm stealing someone's archery kit from the range. <laughs> <laughs> of everything in that montage, the Rudy's bits are the my favorite. The best bits, yes. Him getting the camera, the photo, naked photos of Patrick's sister. Oh, yeah. Fox Photos having a two-for-one deal. <laughs> and such, like that. But yeah, payoffs, and for sure, um... Uh, the one like seeing a Wolfman. My favorite thing is this film maintains the usual thing of in horror films the full moon lasts multiple nights. Yes, which in this film is technically only two nights. So I'm, I mean I'm that's fair enough. Like I, the, I think it is bullshit the idea that a full moon is really only one night. Like really, like it's still close enough where I think it's going to activate this fucking transformation. Yeah, there's enough lunar lunar energy coming. Right. Down. If if it, if it's so fucking minute that literally like a half a percent of less moonlight is going to affect the transformation, he should be detransforming at like at the halfway point of the evening anyway. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I'm sure. fine with the wolf transformation happening over the course of a few evenings. Mm -hmm. And I also like that because I like both versions of the werewolf mythology. I both like mm -hmm. the uh, the how do you pronounce lycanthrope? Lycanthrope. lycanthrope, thank you. I, I do I appreciate the lycanthrope concept where, like, they can control the transformations. I do dig that. Uh, but I do also really enjoy the very much this film's interpretation, which is in other films too, but they, they handle it in such a great way where the the human becoming the wolfman is very much a victim and doesn't want to be doing this at all. No, not at all. <laughs> um, Even the beginning of the film, he's trying to lock, get it locked up, he does, he's a werewolf, and even um, even when Dracula is trying to drug him so he can sleep until he becomes the werewolf, mm -hmm. all the stuff he's trying to warn uh, uh, Dell about about you know Dracula wanting to kill Sean and his friends. Yeah. Before he fucking transforms and like fucking ruins that fucking telephone. Oh booth. my god, ruins the fuck out of it. <laughs> oh, I love it. He just like smashes it and then like walks back off to Dracula's castle or mansion. Whatever. Yeah. Um. And if the when he dies, he just thank you. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's another great moment for Rudy. Bang. Behind-the-scenes thing again. Uh, that was the first time uh, uh, Ryan Lambert has ever shot a gun. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And that take... Oh, no, he never shot a gun, so they went to a range a couple times. That, But that, that shot, that was his first time like doing it. That was the first take. Awesome. Yeah, they basically shot it, and they said, okay, that's good. And they moved on. <laughs> that was one take for him. Good for him. That was cool. Uh, I have other, other behind-the-scenes stuff, because I, I, for once I was able to have time to watch the featurettes and stuff. 
Um, uh, Tom Woodruff Jr., who is the, playing the Gilman in the film. Uh, fun fact, uh, it was all a solid piece prosthetic, because that way there would be no seams. And it was so tight on that way it wouldn't you know, wrinkle up and stuff. So he basically had to sit in the thing for 13 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Because he had to put it on, and then they couldn't take it off or anything. He couldn't drink or eat or anything like that, so he just had to sit in it. And um, fun, uh, the uh, eye holes were like about where your te- about about where the tear ducts are on the gill man. Okay. But because the the mask is a bit bigger, they're about like four inches away from his face. So he's trying to look. He equated it to trying to look through two keyholes, but but like four or five inches away from your face, <laughs> and thus so his visibility was shit. <laughs> So the end fight when he's fighting off the cops in the town, uh, that was all done p- uh, purely through numbering, like doing counts. Like one, two, he'd swing his arm this way. One, two, he'd swing his arm this way. So he basically had to like memorize his movements because he couldn't see for shit, and he had to rely on the stunt actors to know his counts. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because at one point um, he swung, and the stunt actor missed his cue, and he hit. He like swung hard and like hit the stunt actor in the head, but he hit him on the crest on the on the, the like the the the. the, the police star on the on the hat and the two rivets on the back of the police star punctured the guy's forehead oh jesus christ so they, the guy like, knocked out and fell over they pulled his hat off he was squirting blood out of his oh, head and God. everything <laughs> just fun little facts you know, fuck with uh, the but no, yeah it was great because um because he was already in the suit and doing all the work uh they let him do the stunt job for when horror shoots the gill man mm. So you got to do the rig, got to get pulled back, got to do the squib, do all that stuff. He thought that was pretty cool, which I thought that's neat that they they didn't use a stunt actor for that mm-hmm. that one. Obviously, obviously he worked with stunt guys. The cops were the stunt guys, and he was in the suits doing stuff. But it was funny because um, all of their uh, batons they're hitting with were just foam over like a piece of over a steel rod. Mm-hmm. So even though they're wailing on him like it's foam, they're still beating the shit out of <laughs> oh, this <yeah>. guy. <laughs> And it is, I've done that on films before <laughs> with uh, yeah. film props where you, you are beating the shit out of something and it's foam, but you're still beating the shit out of them. Yeah, exactly. My uh, my wife uh, can attest to that. If she was here, she she loves telling the story. On Everyone Must Die, she wanted to play one of the killers for a scene, but it was the <laughs> scene where uh, at, the, at the time the hero girl beats up the killer and it was with the foam stick. Um, and Jesus fucking Christ, uh, I told... Wendy, the actress, to wail on my wife, and she did. And afterwards, my wife was just like, "Oh my god, Jesus Christ!" Like that's that's you should be a killer. That's bitch. what you asked for, you fucking cunt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whoa, I, getting raunchy in episode 100. I couldn't guys. get I couldn't get through that without laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tune into a good time. <laughs> okay, so uh, we did. Yeah, payoffs is a good positive. Um, Another positive I have, uh, I uh, obviously I love all the interactions between Phoebe and uh, Frankenstein's monster. Yes, I love the whole bit of I taught him to talk, bogus. <laughs> so good. And then of course, uh, probably my favorite scene in the film is kind of the end, end, end confrontation when uh, so Dracula shows up after being shot by Dell and everything. Dracula shows up in the street, all fucking electrical, looking like fucking terror. Oh, absolutely. He's walking to the towards uh, Phoebe, German guy, and Patrick, and all them. As at this point, they're using Phoebe to read the passage to open up the gateway to Limbo and everything. And he's just walking. And cops are trying to like stop him. He's like fucking breaking arms, like breaking necks, <laughs> just so crushing good. guys. He's like an unrelenting, like unstoppable force, just walking towards uh-huh. them, looking like a total badass. And I fucking love. And I, it. Do, I that's another big positive for me is that this is a horror film where by the end of the film the entire town knows what the fuck is happening. It's not some bullshit where like somehow through magic horseshit writing only the kids know about the monsters. 
mm-hmm. it is a major problem that everyone's trying to stop. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it makes sense, too, because it's also midnight, so the town square is kind of empty. Uh, but yeah, the cops are showing up trying to stop this, doing a terrible job of doing so. But, but now, this is kind of factors into what I like about the film. As, as uh, directly the bit here at the finale, but I'll get to why I like this. It's that this film feels like there are legit stakes. Mm-hmm. Like, admittedly, anything could happen to these kids. I mean, so far, yeah, they've managed to curb danger and they haven't died. But there is there are points when the film feels like there could be legit danger for these kids. There are people dying. There is blood. There is death. But and you could feel like something like something bad could happen to one of these kids. And when Dracula picks up Phoebe, <laughs> uh, and is just like, "Give me the amulet, you bitch!" <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa!" And he does the teeth and the the eyes and everything. Uh, another behind the scenes bit: uh, Ashley Bank is playing as Phoebe. Uh, she had not seen um, uh, Duncan Regger as Count Dracula the entire filming. Oh, really? That's fucking awesome. So her scream when Dracula reveals the fangs and yells at her and stuff, that's her that's her legit scream. That's her like first time seeing him in the makeup, seeing him in everything mm-hmm. as a five year old girl being being called a bitch and being picked up. And I not picked up, she's on some boxes, of course, but and then then this is like the the the, the cum shot of the film, the money shot for me, like the best part of this fucking film for me is you get this big scary moment where Dracula's yelling at Phoebe, then you get the the neck grab and he's like this pause and he puts he put he like sits her right back down as like gently as he picked her up and then you turn on and it's frankenstein's monster yep. who he thought was dead for <clears throat> maybe a scene and he just looks at him and goes bogus <laughs> and everyone cheers and everyone loses their shit and everyone's pants become instantly wet and gooey as Frankenstein just not f- p- knocks him away and like flings him and gets impaled on a fucking cross. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Jesus, God, fuck. Fuck. Oh, my God, I love it so much. I lose my mind every time. And then like 10 minutes later, I cry. But we'll talk about that in a second. And then uh, that type of stuff. Um, and I, I, when I talk about the serious tone, I want to talk about real quick as we're kind of jumping in like we're still in positive realm and this kind yeah. of can factor into that why this film didn't do very well mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that has to do with its pg-13 rating yes. uh this is one of the first films to be getting a pg-13 rating because this was right around the time that red dawn came out and led to the pg-13 and all this sorts of stuff mm-hmm. I think Red Dawn got the PG-13 because it was Temple of Doom that really led to PG- the PG-13. It was, yeah, Temple of Doom and Gremlins at the same time. Yeah, and Red Dawn was the first PG-13 film. Now, Red Dawn is appropriate for PG-13. Not saying Monster Squad isn't, but if Monster Squad would have came out a bit earlier, but it got the PG rating, I think it would have done a lot better. I agree, yeah. Uh, like I if it came PG-13 out in 85. Rating, yeah, exactly. The, the problem with the PG-13 rating is that parents don't think they can take kids to it because they don't understand quite what it means. And then people that are like teens don't want to go because then they think it's for a kid. It's a, it's a kid slash family film. It's not for mm-hmm. them. And it doesn't help the marketing from this film is garbage. Because again, I don't think TriStar knew how to market it. Yeah. They think they were trying to market it to kids and family. They're trying to market to teens. They're, try, they're trying to market to everybody. And then by doing that, uh, got nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of picking their audience and going for it. If this film was purely marketed towards, like, just, boom, it's a family film. It, yes, it has a little, some language, yes, it has blood, but you know what? It's a it's a good Halloween family film. You could It's good. You know, it's around that, you know, ki- parents, bring your kids, bring your, like, t- 9, 10-year-olds, whatever, around there. You can bring them. That's fine. It'll be scary. It'll be fun. Good time. 
they would have done that, I think this film would have done way better than it mm-hmm. did. And it'd be a much better world for Frank uh, for Fred Decker's uh, career. Completely agreed. <laughs> but yeah, the trailer for this movie is fucking awful. I mean, I, reading the tagline, you know who to call when you have ghosts, but who do you call when you have monsters? That's fine for a poster. But hearing some guys say, like narrators say that, that so in the trailer, weird. it's, oh man, it is like cringing. It's like if I saw a movie today did that, it'd be like, ooh, mm. ooh, don't see that. Ooh. But... Uh, do you have any other, any other positives on your list you want to talk about? I keep overall, going it's just a really good movie. It's a good story. It's well paced. Characters are great. The monsters are great. The fuck, everything's great. Everything's great. Everything is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Van Helsing's diary. This is awesome. It's in German. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love cur- I love kids that curse. I love the special effects. I'm trying to make sure. I thought I might have I was going to mention something else. Oh yeah, the heart, the big like uh, sad moment of the film and. Limbo's opened and everything's flying back in, and then you get the sad moment where Phoebe has to say goodbye to Frankenstein's monster. One funny thing it's I a- have in the film is that they talk about how the portal sucks in all the evil and locks it away, and then when the portal opens, that thing's just sucking fucking everything in. I don't think I don't think it uh, discriminates about evil. No, it doesn't. I think that was purely like interpretation and trying to understand Van Helsing when he wrote the yeah, diary. Yeah, like, uh, clearly. It's like, I think this is the general general idea of what it's supposed to do. Instead, just it's just a not uh, you know, just a whatever. It's a big giant portal in limbo, and whatever gets sucked in gets sucked in. You better hope you have fucking Dracula and evil things there. The yeah, time. there at the time because otherwise everything's fucked. Yeah. Although Van like, Helsing being film, super pumped about it was pretty great. Yeah, I love that thumbs up. Fuck he gives yeah! Sean as he grabs and drags a uh, Dracula back into limbo, then the army shows up. It's like because Eugene sent him a letter. Yep, he sent a letter. So good. Another payoff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Another payoff. Where he sends a letter off, saying monsters are here. Help, Eugene. That to me, my head is that the government knows the monsters are real, <laughs> just secretly. Mm-hmm. So when he gets yeah. a letter, that they're, they're just like, "Oh fuck, get him out there." Mummy's gonna fuck shit up again. Oh man, uh, there's so, there's so many. I mean, we barely scratched the surface. We talked about like a lot of things, like the characters and specific scenes. We've just scratched the surface of this movie. There is just so many. This movie's so dense with great dialogue, great little scenes, great like heart tug moments, uh, great scares, great laughs. I mean, I can go on and on just like naming off scenes and stuff, but I kind of I don't really want to do that anymore. I want to leave some some surprises here so you can check out the film for yourself, mm-hmm. our our, our uh, loyal listeners. And all that. So I think I think we're gonna wrap it up here. Unless there's any specific negatives uh, we want to talk about that we didn't mention so nope, far. No, not really. No real negatives. Just that one funny thing, and that's not really a negative. Just you know, like a yeah. Little there's some little like things you can nitpick if you yeah, want. If you want I think to nitpick, you're an asshole yeah. if you're doing that. There's a couple like and goofs like at the end scene. Uh, Phoebe is shown in one shot, and then she rolls over. But then there's another shot where she's in the same spot again. But that you know you can you can nitpick on that stuff. You know, that doesn't make the film bad. It's just a you know a little goof in editing. Yeah. And the pacing in the film, it's only, it's like only 82 minutes, but it, you know, so A, it's kind of a short film, but man, it flies by also. Mm-hmm. It, it never, it, ne- it never feels like it's dragging. It always feels like something's happening of value, something that's it's meaningful is going on. And I think that helps the film a lot as mm-hmm. well. So it's a, it's a quick sit, a quick fun romp. I highly recommend it. Uh, I think Steve does as well. Yes. And so, I, the, without getting too much into it, let's let's leave you with a uh, uh, our star review. So, Steve, what would you give Monster Squad? I'm sorry, the, the Monster, Monster Squad. Squad. Um, I give it a three and a half out of a possible three and a half. Oh, that's a perfect uh, score. Yeah, so it's a five out of five. Absolutely, this is similar five. to my perfect score. 
Five out of five. Yep, five out of five. This is a perfect, fantastic film. If you have not watched a spooky movie for Halloween yet, or maybe like you got kids, but you know, like my mom who says R-rated movies are fucking sweet. Um, and you know, <laughs> I agree. And you already went through Hocus Pocus and Ernest Scared Stupid, the most superior Halloween film. Um, definitely uh, do, do Monster Squad. You know, if you haven't watched it, if you've never seen it before, watch it now. Introduce your kids to it. It is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I know. I have a lot of friends who who have definitely started making a tradition where every Halloween it's Monster Squad. Hell, for fucking me, for me, it's a tradition. I watch I watch it every yeah. every every Halloween. Just to, you know, I got my watch in now for this episode, and I look forward. I mean, I look forward to watching it next year. As my, my little my little Halloween treat. There was always some films I reserved. Just boom, it's October. Mm-hmm. Time to watch this movie and have a fucking awesome time and such. So. Uh, yeah, if, like, the email question, like, usually have you email us, email, email, yeah, I'm sorry. So email us, uh, what you thought of the Monster Squad after you watched it based on a recommendation. Let us know what you think. Hopefully you really enjoyed it. You can do that at moviefilmsofbillandsteve at gmail.com. And you can, of course, find all of our episodes listed on our Tumblr, moviefilmsofbillandsteve.tumblr.com. And there's the, always the triumvirate of ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, there's Facebook. Just look at Movie Films of Bill and Steve. There's uh, iTunes. We're on there. Hey, that's probably maybe how you're listening to this episode. Just look at Movie Films of Bill and Steve. Give us a subscribe and a five-star review. Let us know. Uh, which Dracula is your favorite? And of course, we're on Stitcher. You can find us on their website or on their mobile app. Just check that out. That'd be cool. And uh, we're also, I, I'll plug this real quick. Uh, we also did an episode, a uh, kind of short movie review for 8 Bit Geeks, 8 Bit Horror Fest. We did we reviewed John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, we did that last week. Uh, you can check it out now. If you, uh, I think maybe two weeks because of me going to Disney stuff, that'll probably come up in the feed as the content for that week in case you don't want to go, you want to wait for it to show up in this feed and that type of stuff. So that will be coming down the pipeline. Uh, but definitely check them out. Check out other stuff. They've done other movies for the 8-Bit Horror Fest. Cool guys doing some cool movie reviews. Go check that stuff out. And you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Bill. And everyone that answers the question of who's your favorite Dracula on either Facebook or iTunes will be entered into a contest to win a prize that is valued at $100. Special note, episode 100 of Movie Films of Bill and Steve is valued at $100. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the special prize is you get all of our content for <laughs> uh, you can check out my films uh, silverspotlightfilms.com carishell.com if you just want to get a quick link to carishell itself it's a great film please watch the trailer please buy it please tell your friends to buy it I really need to give buy my I movie really need to give the producer buy my movie money um and you can check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms, if you just want to stay up to date on, like, reviews, um, like, new reviews, new pictures, videos, stuff like that. And if you just want to look at me in Spendex, uh, facebook.com slash theamazingspidersteve. Fantastic. Well, as always, guys, for the last hundred episodes, I've been Bill. I've been Ghost Steve. Oh, oh Jesus Christ, whoa! I've been dead Jesus. for twenty years! Oh my god. Chicken I'm eating her. And then I'm gonna eat you. Oh my god. I love popcorn. (laughs) Uh, Thanks guys. Here's another 100 episodes.